Welcome to another episode of Enyakov Beyond the Story. As we are in the three weeks, I'd like to discuss a piece of Gemara that actually describes what happened to a child in his mother's womb. You may ask, how does that relate to the three weeks? Well, um, we know that the birth is compared to a type of galus. The neshama was uh, enjoying being in Gan Eden and suddenly is being sent to this world for a purpose. Uh, it's a purpose, but still, it is some time of galus. How the child is prepared during his nine month in his mother's womb to face the challenges of Eramaze is actually the way we are also prepared for Galus. After discussing the Gemara, I will mention some psukim from the Haftarah that we actually read last week. So the Gemara is in Maseches Nida, Taflamed Amud Beis. And the Gemara is asking, what does a child resemble in his mother's womb? In other words, what's going on there? So he says that, in fact, he is somewhat folded over himself. And his uh, mouth is closed and his uh, navel is open. He eats from what his mother eats. He drinks from what his mother drinks. He does not give any, uh, let out any uh, refuse, any extra man. Then, as soon as he comes out to the world, whatever was closed opens, whatever was open closes. Because if not, the child would not be able to survive in for, for a moment. Then the, the Gemara continues and says that during that time when he was in his mother's womb, there was a candle lit on top of his head. He could see the whole world. And then the Gemara continues and says, There are no better days for a person than those days. Times in which he did not need to worry about anything. All his needs were taken care of. And then it ends up and says, We teach him the whole entire Torah. However, as soon as he comes out to the world, the Malach comes and uh, flicks him on his mouth and he makes him forget the whole entire Torah so of course before I start to uh, discuss and ask questions about this just want to start with a certain hakdama that actually um, the Rebbe mentions this part of Gemara as one of those instances in which it is absolutely impossible to study Nigle without Pnimiya Satayra. You cannot just learn 
the, the, the revealed part of the Torah and take it, for, take it for face value. In other words, take it always as a, in, in its most literary sense because sometimes that literary sense doesn't apply. I know that for those of you who've been listening to this podcast for a long time, that's pretty much what we do every week. We take a piece of nigla and we explain it according to Primus Atayra. But you know what? In most cases, you were able to understand at least the pshat of whatever passage of the Gemara that would be explained according to Primus Atayra. In this case, there is no way you could explain it according to pshat. There is no way there is a candle lit on top of the child of the child's head. Of course, I like to say that would explain the uh, heartburn phenomenon by pregnant women, but that's just a joke, right? So we must say that the candle lit on his head is not an actual candle. Of course, it is lit on his head. So how do you explain this? Well, that's where Pnei Misatari comes in. That's how I feel if you say, you know, Remes Drush definitely saw it, but cannot just be Pshat. And we'll discuss what is this candle. Really, obviously, it's referring to the Neshama, but why is that on top of his head? We'll talk about that. But at first, I wanted to point out that in the same way that in this particular instance, it is impossible to learn Nigle the Torah without really uh, an explanation according to Primus Atayra. The same is true for the whole entire Nigle. Definitely we understand one layer of it. We understand the Pshat. And that's a task. It's not, uh, not a given. It takes effort. But nonetheless, we should not stop at that. We must look deeper. And let's look deeper. What is that candle? Why do we need to teach him the whole entire Torah? And if we did already, why must we make him forget? How does that help us to know this if we already forgot it? And finally, how does this connect to the three weeks? So I'll start first by talking about the fact that there is a Seder in Eremazim. Um, and basically in this world, everything has to be acquired by effort. Um, you cannot... You cannot just be taught something and then just know it. You have to actually acquire it. So then the question is, if you need to acquire it, and not just Malach tells it to you and then you remember it forever, why is it then that the Malach went and actually taught him? So... The answer is that the Torah is Hashem's Chochmah. And the Torah being Hashem's Chochmah is infinite, because Hashem is infinite. So if He is infinite, His Chochmah is infinite. Therefore, we cannot learn Torah 
and accomplish the desired effect of Torah, which is to unify with Hashem the infinite. By having, like it says in Tanya, by learning Torah, we are taking Hashem's intellect and making it our intellect. That this is a, a, an incredible unification that takes place between two things that are so drastically opposite. Bligvul and Gvul. Our finite abilities. And the Torah, which is Hashem's Chochmah, which is infinite. The only way that we could actually um, get this Torah the way it is and connect to the Bligvul is if we are first taught the Torah while we were still in a, in a situation before we came to this world. In other words, there had to be a point in which we are no longer just an Neshama in heaven, but we are not yet a person that is subjected to the limitation of this world. And when is that? When we are in our, in our mother's womb. If you notice, the lotion that was used by the Gemara wasn't birth. It wasn't the time of birth. It was at the time in which he came out in contact with Avira Oilam, with the, the air, the atmosphere of this world. Me, implying that until then, he's not yet in contact with this world. As a matter of fact, Chassidus says that at the time of uh, Ibur, the time of um, pregnancy, the, the, uh, the Neshama is still in a kind of Atzilis. It's more connected to Atzilis. Definitely in this world, but not subjected to the limitations of this world. And there, therefore, once this is happening, once we are in such a situation of Atzilis, we have the tools or the ability to connect with the infinite because we haven't yet been subjected to the limitation of Alamaze. We're not yet a Nivra that is a Mugbal. So that's why we are being taught the Torah then. If not for being taught the Torah then, we, through our own Yegiyah, we would have never been able to actually reach the real ultimate goal of learning Torah, which is to connect with Hashem. Well, if that's the case, why is it necessary to make the child forget? was so important. Well, the thing is that the Seder in Elamaze is Yagata Umatsasa. As I mentioned before, we have to earn our keeps. This is the Seder in Elamaze. It's not just like you sit there and you're going to get all the hashpoes, everything's going to be given to you. Yes, in Ganeiden it says, Yeshvim Tzadikim Veneni Mizivashchina. They're getting it milemailam even though that's as a result of the Avoida down here. But here we need to acquire everything that we earn. We need to make an effort for it. And this is totally even more so true when it comes to Limud Atayra. As a matter of fact, there is an interesting story that once a Hasid came to Tzemach Tzedek and complained and he says, Rebbe, what should I do? I don't have any cheshek, I don't have any desire to learn Torah. 
answered him, Ah, and what should I do? That I do have cheshek to learn Torah. In other words, Tzemach Tzedek was telling him, Look, you are living the, the actual... Um, yeah, the, the actual avoider that's supposed to be in Eilamaze. You don't have desire to learn Torah, and you're going to make an effort to learn Torah, and that's what you're required to do, make an effort. What should I do? I love learning Torah. That's all I want to do. Where's the effort? So for me to make an effort, I need to reach and work and toil a lot, a lot more than you do. So to go back to what we are saying before, that the Seder in Aramazah is that Yagata Umatsaso. You need to make an effort. So therefore, if you have learned it already, and you know it, then there will be no effort. Debe brings in another reason, says it shouldn't be what we call Namadikisufa, which means uh, the bread that have that was earned um, in an embarrassing way. Meaning that if you did not do an, an effort and you you earn something and you gain something without making any effort. You're not as proud of your results. So the Ebesha wants to give us that opportunity to really own the Torah that we learn. Another reason that is brought is because if we would have uh, known and remembered the whole Torah that we learned before our birth, there would be absolutely no prayer. And really, part of the avoidance that we mentioned before, part of the effort, is about the effort of making the right choices. Making the right choices, the prayer chavshis. There would be no prayer chavshis. In order to have really free choice and free will, we need to have that good and bad should be equal. So therefore, we cannot be born with all the Torah that we learn in our mother's womb, if it is not going to, if it's not going to be forgotten, because therefore there is no more prayer. We obviously know what to do. Well, I'd like to add, and it's not part of the explanation on this passage, but I'd like to add that perhaps that's in itself a reason why we are learning the Torah in advance, because we should have some kind of a, you know, residue leftover um, trace of that Torah that was learned, because had we not been given that in advance, and then we come into this world facing all the rest of the things that are there, uh, very interesting, so then we wouldn't have um, necessarily, again, such an easy prayer, because good and bad wouldn't be equally presented to us. Bad will be more presented than the good. But again, that's just a, a suggestion. Um, so, therefore, this is the reason why, um, this is the reason why the Torah is being made forgotten, just so we could have that prayer. But nonetheless, even if it is forgotten, it is not entirely gone. There is, as I mentioned before, some kind of trace that remain, Rishimu. We're told that when Yaakov Avinu came to uh, get the blessing from his father Yitzchak, he smelled something. He says, this is the smell of that, 
of that orchard, that blessed orchard. And Chazal tell us that he was surprised that Esau would come in and the smell of Ganeiden, the smell of Ganeiden was there. He said, I can't be Esau. Well, wait a second, where did Yitzchak know of the smell of Ganeiden? So we're told that at the time of the Akedah, he tasted Ganeiden. When Yaakov came in, he remembered that. That smell really triggered that memory. That's the smell of Ganeiden. So you see that when it comes to exposure to something that is very lofty, it leaves a trace. Even if it has been forgotten, but something will trigger that, that memory and will reignite that, that trace. So therefore, the Ebi learns from this that even though the Malach came and made us forget, forget but then it was taught and it had an effect on us. And that effect is still somewhere deep down, there and present. All we need to do is revive it. And as a matter of fact, they ever suggested that this is something we should tell the children. We should tell the children when we learn with them that, you know, it's only a review. Because you remember, you learned it once with the Malach when you were in your mother's womb. Therefore, when it's only a review, you know it's easier. The child also will get a lot more excited about remembering something he forgot. And the example that is given is, you know, you bought something. Let's say you bought yourself uh, a new watch, all right? And you're very excited. You're very happy about it. You use it, you wear it, and show it. So you're happy. Then you, lo you lose it. Now, of course, you're sad. You're upset, you're sad. But then you find it. Now, how happy you are when you find it. You are much happier than the day you bought it. Well, it would make sense to say, well, no, I used it already. I'm not that happy. No. When you find something, a mitzvah brings you a great simcha. Even more so if it's something that you have lost. When you find it, you're much happier than the first time you got it. So therefore, the same thing is that when the child re realizes that now he's only remembering the things that he has learned with the Malach and he forgot, that will give him more islavus, more enthusiasm, and he will learn more happily. Just what's interesting is that the Abbey is bringing this as mamishas. This is the fact. This is what happens. The child is learning Torah with the Malach, and we could tell this to our children, and they'll believe it. Same way we should believe it. And the effect of this Torah that was learned actually is everlasting. But then what's with the candle? So, the Alter Rebbe writes, when it comes to when is the Neshama entering our body? So the Alter Rebbe says that by the time of the Bris, the Neshama actually enters our body. 
And then there are, you know, many stages in, after that, about mitzvah marriage. But the beginning of the actually neshama hakadoshah entering our body is at the moment of the bris. Until the bris, it, it is not visible the connection that the child has with the Eivishter. Physically, we cannot tell we cannot tell that the child has a connection with the, with the Eivishter until the bris that is so in 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 our flesh in which it becomes obvious. Chassidus explains that the fact that now that connection is engraved in our flesh is because until the moment of the bris, the neshama was only biprinas makif. It was hovering over us. Of course, hovering doesn't necessarily mean that it's you know, someplace around. It means that it, it doesn't have that same effect as when it is completely biprinas with us. When this neshama started to hover over us, already at the time of pregnancy. When the child is in his mother's womb, when the Gemara says, Ner daluk al roishoy, that there is a lit candle on top of his head, it refers to the neshama, that as we say, Ner Hashem nishma sadam, that the candle is always a reference to the neshama. But moreover, it says it's on top of his head. On top of his head, it means that the neshama is hovering around the body. It becomes beprimius at the moment of the bris. So that is the, the whole point over here of the candle. And the neshama and the malach who is teaching Torah to a child is not just teaching him to a child without a neshama. He's teaching it to that neshama that will ultimately connect with the body. The main thing is that these koiches are that that our, our that we are receiving while the neshama is in where we're still in our mother's womb. Those are not just koiches that are wasted. Those are koiches that are invested in us in order for us to be able to face all the challenges of Golos. This is actually the meaning of those psukim in the first haftarah of the three weeks, which is the haftarah that we read last week. Hashem tells the Novi, Beterem yedaticha, Before I have created you in the womb, I have knew you, I have known you, Ubeterem tetzemerechem hikdashticha, and before you came out of the womb, I have sanctified you. The Rebbe explained that this Pasuk is talking about exactly what's happening in the mother's womb. Of course, before you were even conceived in the stomach, meaning that while the Neshama was Lemailo, Yedaticho, Hashem knew you, meaning Hashem connected with us, and Mashbi Moisoi, like he explained, Masbi Moisoi, we, we, we fill up the Neshama with all the Kerches that are necessary. But Beterem Tetzem Erechem Igdashticho, I've sanctified you before you came out of the womb, meaning during these nine months, I've sanctified you by having a Malach teaching you Torah. And the reason why I've done that 
is because you will come out in this world, you will need all the koiches you can get in order to be able to face the challenges of the galus of the neshama into the goof, and more particularly, the galus in which we find ourselves. And therefore, when the three weeks begins, we may fall in a state of yush, saying, look how long the galus has been. And after all these many years and many generations that have done everything they can, and we are still in galus, where do I get the koyach? Where do I get even that ambition to think that I could make a difference? That I could end this galus? Or I could not be subjected to the intimidation that comes with the galus? Comes the Novi and says, before these days commemorating galus begin and tell us, I have given you all the koyches that you need. If you are in a Nisoyen, it's a proof that you have all the koiches to overcome this Nisoyen. And if you will say, the pastor continues, Don't say, I am a child. In other words, I don't have enough strength or enough talent or knowledge to be able to actually bring an end to this galus. This, this galus is going to overpower me. The next pasuk says, Al ki itcha ani. I am with you, says Hashem. I am with you. That that time that you spent, not only the neshama the way was just a neshama lemaila, but the neshama the way was already hovering over the goof. But before it was a goof that came, Lavirailam. I gave you all the koiches that you need to be able to succeed in this mission that you were entrusted with to transform this world. And this is the message of the first Haftarah of the three weeks. This is the message of the three weeks as well. It's not just a time to, to, to mourn and despair, but it's a time to acknowledge and recognize the koiches that we have to succeed in our shlichas in Aramaze, the shlichas to turn this world into a dir alois and bring an end to this galus immediately.